Who told you to be afraid? Who said you can't be the dream come true? Don't allow yourself to be defined and branded by what others assume you are capable of achieving. Diverting from the expectations of your family, friends, and social presuppositions can be scary, painful, and lonely. Yet be reassured, because breaking generational cycles or curses will free your soul and the souls of your descendants. Who told you to be afraid? Who said you can't take the wheel and change direction while changing perception? Who told you that you're incapable of planting generational seeds? Seeds that lead to generational wealth via the establishing of multiple passive streams of income and through the use of revenue generating assets like real estate. Your ancestors overcame unthinkable degradation, disparity, fear, and self-doubt which led to deeds of land ownership, Black Wall Street, the Oprah Winfrey Network, and Tyler Perry Studios. So who told you to be afraid? Who told you to just follow your dreams? Who convinced you that you're not the dream come true? Just wake up. Welcome to Melanated Conversations. Our narrative and our perspective. Here on the podcast, we are amplifying the voices of Black women and sharing their powerful stories of transformation. I'm Tyrion. And I'm Yana. Let's start the show. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Melanated Conversations. I am your co-host, Yana. And I am your co-host, Tarian. Yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. We are excited um, to bring you another lovely guest this season. Um, Season four is already just kicking off to a wonderful start. Um, But, you know, for a lot of us, you know, we're in a new year. But the time that you will listen to this will be in a new year. And, you know... I know 2020 was a little tricky for us with, you know, goal planning and some of us probably a little scared, but going into the year, we do have some goal planning, some goals that we like to achieve. And for a lot of those, that's, you know, how do you get your, your money game up? How do you build wealth? How you generate wealth? How, and how you can do that through an avenue such as real estate. So we have a special guest who's going to share with us in a lot in that space. And we want to welcome her today. So y'all give it up for Miss Kendall Lockett. Welcome, Kendall. Hey, Kendall. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Thank you for joining us today. Oh, this is awesome. I couldn't sleep last night. I'm like, oh my God, I cannot wait to get on this podcast. Oh, (laughs) be amongst some queens and just, you know, just be our best selves. Yes. I'm happy to be here. Well, you are definitely out here doing big things and we cannot wait to get into our chat. But before we do that, Yana and I always like to play a little game with our guests. We've coined Don't <laughs> Drop the Mic. Now the game can okay. change here or there, but we've kept that name. So um, are, would you be willing to play around with us? Absolutely. All righty. And that honestly, it's really not a game because there are no winners or losers here, but we'll just ask a couple of questions. There's always a winner. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who winner? Oh. Who the winner? Who? Me? Okay. Um, is, first with this? is there a grand prize I get? 
I'm sorry. You get to talk to us. You get to talk to us. I'm playing. playing. I've already won. Sis, you are winning. Trust me. You are already winning in life, okay? (laughs) So my first question for you, it's just, um, we've just had Christmas coming out of the holiday season. What was the last gift that you gave someone? And it doesn't have to be a Christmas gift or anything like that. But what was the last gift that you gave someone? The last gift. That I recall giving someone. Sure. <laughs> oh wow. I would say um, my brother. That was the last gift where I remember intentionally giving him something, and it was a gift. Um, he's a composer in Nashville, and he had just uh, he he made history by becoming the uh, the first composer to have a, a commission with the Nashville Opera, and I wow. was so amazed. And I'm extremely cheap, and my brother is as well. And I was just like, I need to give him a gift. And he's so picky like me. So I just got him a gift card. And I just said, I'm just extremely proud of you and everything you're doing. And he was like, whoa, where did this come from? Like, exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> it's not my behavior to do that. So that was the last gift I gave someone. Nice, nice. Yana, what about you? I'm, I'm, I was really over here um, as Kendall was talking. I was processing. Well, I was listening to what she was saying, too. I was like, oh, that's great. That's Man, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say. Let me think deeper <laughs> on it. I'm still trying to think of. Are we talking physical gift? Or um, just a gift? I think it could be of any caliber. You know, depending on how you interpret the question. Because so. you know me, I always go off the rails when with your <laughs> questions, and so I was going to say I utilize my gift. Oh, See, yeah, you are you. Were, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um I I'm, I love to write and um some would say some would say that that is a gift of mine um and I like to say I'm more of an expressive um transformative um writer and so sometimes I gift my friends um through spoken word and through my words that I write, um, just um, I may write a poem or something for them um, or yeah, just something, just a piece that resonates for them for, for them in that moment. So I've, I've done a lot of quite a bit of that recently. I love that, but I ain't gonna hold you. I got beef because you've never written me a poem. Where my poem at? Tarion. You gonna call your cuz out like that on the I show? Did. Like this? I did. This ain't what we came over here for. I did. No. Okay. So <laughs> technically, I've brought you in on my work. This is true. You are right. You're and right we're supposed to be doing a visual piece together. You're right. You're right. You're right. That I don't think You're I've right. shared with anybody but you. So technically, but it was it for me. It's for us. It's for black women. Oh, it's an empowerment okay. piece. It's a gift that keeps on giving. I got you. You know I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> no, I know. I'm... <laughs> no, that's no, I love that. I think that's great. You know, ironically, when I when I read when I um got this question, and I was thinking of a physical gift too, but I, I was like, actually, for me, because you know, usually give gifts that are valuable. Um, and I think for me the last gift that I gave someone, and I feel like I give this gift often, um, is my time. You know what I mean? Like I, I value my time 
you know how I am by my time. Like I value my time in the sense of I don't just give it away to anyone. Um, I'm very selective about that. And so, um, yeah. Just yeah. Play your- with your friends, but don't play with her time. Then. Please don't play yeah. with my time <laughs> and my naps. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I would just say like my time was probably the it's a gift that I give often um, and I don't take it lightly. And I'm very like I said, I'm very selective about who I give my time to. So you just feel special, Yana, because I spend a lot of time with you. We do. We do. I'm, I'm grateful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay. Okay. My next question. Do you, um, would you mind like answering one more question? Sure. Okay. My next question and last question before we get into our chat. Are you a, or would you consider yourself a hunter or a gatherer and why? Oh, before I answer that, how would you define a hunter and a gatherer? I feel like, cause I know some people think of hunter and gatherer, you know, in the sense of survival. I mean, you could think of it from that that standpoint, but I think in just how you go about go through life, um whether it be family, friends, work, are you a hunter or a gatherer? Does, does that help? Say, I mean, I guess it would be on like my definition of a gatherer. I would think I'm more of that than a hunter because I think a hunter is always in pursuit. And, yeah. And I'm I got to chill. I'm in chill mode <laughs> this year. <laughs> Okay. I just rather just uh yeah just gather and, and just chill out. Twenty twenty, beginning of twenty twenty one. So I'm gonna get yeah. Would you say you have some characteristics of hunter? Because just from reading up on you oh, and yeah. finding out about you, <laughs> I would say you're a hunter. Oh but, yeah. But okay, you were like, there's a time and a place. It is. It is. Gotcha. And I'm having to learn that too. I am very ambitious. I think it just came by nature when I everybody else is at. Uh, the club or, you know, having fun. I'm reading a book. I'm writing a course. I'm on yeah. my website. I'm trying to find people for my podcast. I'm looking for another property. Yeah. I'm so weird like that. And that's not weird. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, it's not weird. You're right. <laughs> it's just who I am. It's just my makeup. And so I'm learning to accept that. But mm-hmm. there's also times where it's like, Candle, you just got to be in the, in the moment. And yeah. so I'm right now, even during this uh, conversation and taping this podcast, I'm in the midst of an awakening mm. and I'm working with a life coach and a therapist. Girl, I needed both. And Come on. yes to uh, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that present day has, is just amazing. I'm in moments where it's like, oh my gosh, that was so incredibly dope. I want to do that again. Yeah. And my therapist is like, if you're feeling like that, you're actually living in the present candle. I'm like, really? This is what the present looks like. Oh, how can I get more of this? <laughs> I even know. So I don't know if that ambition came from me always thinking about the future, future, future and planning, planning, planning. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't really taking advantage of what I had in the present. So it was kind of like, you know, what was bad turned into good. But yeah, this present thing, uh, it's, it's pretty dope. Oh, so, I love that. That's a great, yeah. what, that's a great answer. Great, great answer. Yana, what about you? Hunter or gatherer? I'm I'm still wrapped up in Kendall's um her statement because she <laughs> her response y'all, if yeah. y'all see yeah if y'all see her she is she definitely is her name she is such Aww. a light it just exudes off of her so oh gosh um give me the context of the question again Terry I'm sorry I'll, just 
are, are you a hunter or gatherer? Meaning in in life, in with family, with your career, um, or so, maybe even just how you see life, how you view life. Are you a hunter or gatherer? So you probably know me well, well in the most. Yeah, and. I think you probably know the answer to this question. It really depends on the context of what we're talking here. If we're talking solely as um, an individual, I can see myself more as a gatherer. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as career, goal-oriented, um, I'm not an Enneagram 3 for no reason. Exactly. I am <laughs> definitely a hunter. Like, I don't want to say I'm aggressive. But I'm a. Is there such thing as soft aggression? Like you can go after what you want, but it's it's through. You're very intentional about it. Is it's it's really you moving forcefully in the thing that you recognize when you know what you've been called for that mm-hmm. you push through through that. Um, that's kind of I don't know if that makes sense, but that's where I am when it comes to me and the work I do. Like I go hard for and in it because it's truly I don't want to sound cliche, cliche but it's and especially with you on the show Kenna, but it's truly oh my, my light I love <laughs> it I love it we're all supposed to be in our light yes yes no that's a great that was a great answer I think yeah. it's funny because I saw this question I was like man that's this is a, like it's a simple question mm-hmm. but how you know depending on the person and how you view the question, how you interpret the question. Um, can, you could definitely get lots of different answers. I love y'all's answers. I would have to say, I think for myself, I just, by nature, I am more of a gatherer. Um, I'm not as aggressive when it comes to just going after, I've never been that type of person, but I will say just within the last year or so, I'm learning hunter traits or, you know what I mean? I'm picking up on hunter traits. Um, that I really welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Dang, can I can I get my words out? I was gonna say thank you. Um, but yeah, thanks, Yana. Um, I definitely and and the women that you know we have definitely come into contact with this this past year, you know, have definitely opened my eyes to you know some hunter traits that, like I said, I didn't think that I had or um, just didn't think I was capable of. So um, yes, I am a gatherer by nature. I tend to kind of go, I go with the flow. Um, But at the same time, I do like in my brain, I'm, if I I know what what I want, like, does that make sense? Like I have, if I have a vision for something, I try not to really stray off of that at all. It's hard to like change my mind about certain things that I personally have visions about things for. Um, but, um, my pursuit is not always that my execution is not always on target. So just learning how to be a lot more intentional in my pursuit and my execution, I've definitely picked up on that. Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a whole gatherer. That's for sure. So, yeah. I can see that. You can see that. <laughs> I think that's why we mesh so well. Cause we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you in my business, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just playing. Um, Yeah. So anyway, thank you, Candle, for playing along with us. 
Yes. I loved everybody's answers. Um, very insightful. So yes, 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 yes. So let's move into our conversation with you. Like there's so many things. I had so many questions when we, um, knew that we were going to be having this conversation with you today. I told Tyrion, I was like, I'm sorry. I got like a million questions I want to ask. <laughs> I know we only can like narrow those down, but I'm like, I just want to just, it was just like, oh, I just want to hug her. Like she don't know how she been. <laughs> I've been waiting to talk to another black woman in this space. So I'm so excited right. to um, talk all the things real estate with you today. Um, before we jump in, I just want to ask kind of if you can tell us a little bit about you, about Kendall, share a little bit about your story starting out. Like, okay. I know that you mentioned um, that you kind of got your start um, in your 20s and um, you were in the middle of the recession when you um, started out into oh, investing. Yeah. Can you share a little about that too and the pivots that you had to go through, but it oh, didn't yeah. stop you from building um, your wealth through real estate? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I've had a, uh, I've been blessed that I have grown up in real estate and real estate investing. My parents were real estate investors. So at the age of seven, they were putting paintbrushes in me and my brother's hands when we had to go get a property ready for another tenant. And I didn't appreciate or either understand what exactly we were doing because we weren't getting paid. <laughs> it was just like, hey, turn off the television, put some dirty clothes on because you got to get your stuff dirty again. And we got to go clean up the house. And I thought it was punishment. I didn't understand uh, that my parents own these properties, that they're making income from these properties. It was just like, why are we here? We don't live here. Why do we care about this house type of thing? And then as I got older, my parents said, okay, uh, there was no PayPal back then. Go get out the car, take this book right here and collect the rent money and write a receipt. And I'm like, wait a minute. We've been getting paid from these people this whole time. So like the, the older I got with uh, the concept of real estate investing, it started making more sense to me. But my parents never said, when you grow up, you need to become a real estate investor. They never pushed that. They were more so of, you're going to be an educator. We want you in a safe job. She wanted me to be the teacher, my brother to be the accountant, but it was never going to real estate investing as a full-time thing. And so uh, as I got into college at Fort Valley State University, I got more inquisitive about money. I wanted to know about money, but there was just no opportunity to have those conversations. I was thinking differently. A book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad had came out. I was listening to it in my car, but I didn't want my friends in college to hear me or hear that tape playing in my car. They wanted to hear uh, like the two live crew and Kilo being blasted, not Rich Dad Poor Dad. So <laughs> it was kind of weird because I couldn't find that environment or that community to say, okay, let's talk about nothing but money. And it was weird for a college student to think like that at that time. So when I graduated from Fort Valley State, I had this opportunity, I had an amazing credit score, but I didn't know enough. And a friend of mine said, hey, girl, my cousin's a realtor and he wants to know if you want to buy some properties because you got a, a, this high credit score. I'm like, sure. <laughs> My parents have properties. I could do this thing. Now take in mind now. All I did was re read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I had a couple of mutual funds and stocks. I did not know enough. And my ego and pride were too big for me to call my parents and say, hey, you know how you had those properties? Show me how to do it. I wasn't going to do that. 
Yeah. That rebellious one in my 20s trying to show everybody before even Instagram was even invented. Let me show everybody what I can do. I went out with this realtor and bought like seven properties. (laughs) And we put Wow. (laughs) And we, uh, this is so I could tell people like, yeah, even though I'm a kindergarten teacher, I got these seven properties. Not knowing. Come on. uh, It sounds, see, it sounds great. But there was a price to pay for all that. It happened. It so happened that I got into deals that weren't the best deals. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were interest only. Some of those loans even fell through because when the market crashed, those loans crashed with it. So I ended up losing um, some of those properties. And then to make it also worse was that I also had gotten married. And that this is a whole nother conversation. But I'm just going to throw this out there that you have to be careful who you surround yourself with, including who oh, that's married. a word. Yeah, (laughs) because getting into that situation did not help either, because looking back on it now to be in my 20s, then it it is still relevant. Now, you still in in that dating scene. I talk about it with my girlfriends because I'm still single, that we have to be so careful who we date or who we even end up marrying, because sometimes those that spouse or. That boyfriend can be somewhat intimidated by what you do and your power. Mm. And I got involved in a marriage where he was extremely intimidated and from the very beginning, but I ignored the signs because I had to have a husband. I mm. needed a man. I was supposed to be the wife. And I remember like women telling me, Oh, if you sell those properties, if you get rid of that business, your husband will stay literally. And I'm like, wow. oh my, yes. <laughs> and I was like, well, he can go because I ain't getting rid of my properties. So, I mean, it was just like a no brainer because like, that's who I am. That's, that's, I can't do that. It's like saying with him, it's pretty much like killing myself. I'll just be walking dead just to be in a marriage. So needless to say that ended in divorce, but um, I lost some of the properties because of the crash and because too, this guy emptied my bank account. I did not know enough, and I put him on the bank just to make no. him feel secure. To make him feel secure, <laughs> I put his name on my business checking account, and uh, yeah, I got cleaned out. So, wow. and it was a lesson learned, and I and it's so funny because I tell everybody because like, what do you do when they want advice about real estate investing? First thing I say from personal experience is who you surround yourself with. Is this going to be your either you're going to go in trajectory and you're going to go up that mountain and conquer, 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 or either it's going to be your downfall and you're going to be in the pits forever with that person that you're surrounding yourself with. I know because I've lived through it. But once I got over that, it was like, okay, after the market has crashed and it's coming back, let me get back. I want everything the enemy stole from me. I'm coming Mm -hmm. after everything. But not only am I coming after everything, I want to bring people with me. I want to bring those women with me that have been in a situation like me that felt like they weren't worthy of real estate or worthy of wealth. I want to bring those men with me that feel like they could never have anything. So it was like when I'm that, when I am where I am right now has come with a purpose. It's like so much bigger than me doing it. Cause I've been there, done that, have the t-shirt and I have properties and I plan to get more, but it's just so much for a bigger purpose If I don't want to leave anybody behind on this mm-hmm. when it comes to wealth, especially in our community. So it's, it's been a journey <laughs> and I'm still just getting started. Cause I'm like, anybody that wants to know about real estate, oh, you have me. Like I'll stop everything I can and what I have planned to do. If I can help you get into a, your first home or if I can help you just get your first property, if what I'm doing right now can plant a seed to where I know after you're gone, 
your great grandchildren will be benefiting from the one conversation I have with you. You got me. So that's pretty much how I started <laughs> and pretty much how I plan to this in the rest, you know, to the rest of my life is that planting these seeds, because this is a, a real estate is an amazing, amazing asset that many people don't talk about. And I think what really got me, the light bulb came on of how I definitely wanted to start telling the story of real estate investing was I was a kindergarten teacher. And then I, during the crash, of course, everybody got affected, especially the government. So they furloughed teachers for like six consecutive years. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I got to get out of here. I need to be back real estate investing again. So let me figure out a plan so I can start making as much money as I can. I had friends that were going overseas to Abu Dhabi to teach. And they were telling how they got a big pay increase. They weren't paying for their um, housing. They got bonuses. And I'm like, I'm out. I have nothing keeping me here. I'm out. So went over there and I, the plan was to stay two years. Well, I had to come back because my father had been diagnosed with cancer. And my house that I had lived in, in uh, Atlanta, I rented out. And the crazy part was right before I came back to Abu Dhabi, I was literally putting the tenant out over the phone. Like you have not paid rent since I've been over here. Um, I'm putting you out. As soon as I land, I'm going straight to (laughs) the courthouse. You're getting evicted. And as soon as she saw the text, I literally texted her before I even got on the flight. Y'all, by the time I landed, all that money that that was mine was in my bank account. (laughs) Oh, wow. I was like, (laughs) I see where we're going with this. So eventually I just said, you know what? Let's just call this fair. Just go ahead and leave the property. So she left the property. And um, at the same time, I'm dealing with my house being available and I need to figure out, am I moving back into it to stay here with my father or am I going back to Abu Dhabi? Like all of these things are going on. It just occurred to me like, hey, this is my dad, um, literally my best friend, and I'm not going to leave. I'm not going back over there. God, you have something you're up to. I trust you. So I decided to stay. But at the same time, I I didn't want to deal with like having to take my dad to um, chemo and radiation and then trying to figure out, OK, I got to get back to Atlanta. How am I going to uh, rent out this property? So my dad was like, Kendall, why are you stressing? I'm like, because I got these bills like I got a mortgage. He's like, no, you don't. Just go take the receipt book like you used to do growing up and go collect rent from the tenants. And I'm like, what? And it did not even occur to me that my dad having these uh, properties gave me. already doing that thing. (laughs) Right. Doing it gave Mm -hmm. me the opportunity for memories with my father. Mm. And I mean, I even get I get kind of emotional just thinking about the opportunity that I didn't have to work for an entire year. I didn't work. It was the income from those properties that paid for me to have those memories with my dad, where most people would have to go back to work or go back and forth and maintain and, and then be with the family members. I didn't. I had the luxury of sleeping as late as I wanted to. As soon as I woke up, I could go see my dad, hang out with him and see if he needed anything until the end. And that was the biggest blessing. I was like, Kendall, this was real estate. Real estate gave you this. How many people can say? They have an asset that's just bringing in income while we're sleeping to give you this opportunity. So after that, I got even more uh, in tune with my purpose. And I was like, God, just use me in a miraculous way so that I could share this story and bless others about how real estate is blessing me because it's still blessing me. Like my mom, she's good, like so good. (laughs) And so it's like, I want somebody else to know about this. I want somebody else to know this story so that it can in tune bless them because this story might just make someone say, you know what? We need to get an investment property. 
you know what? This one property can pay for my child's college tuition. Uh, this property can be making those payments for me while I go back to school to get that college degree or that master's or whatever I want to get. And I can do it full time and know that I got money coming in from another stream. And these are the conversations that we don't talk about. So mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. And this is why I'm just here today because I just love to talk about this. I mean, my purpose is just so aligned with, with, with what I've gone through and what God has told me this is what I've got to be doing. And it's just easy to talk about this. Candle. Wow. <laughs> Candle. Yes. <laughs> um, there's so much. First of all, Terry and I, you can't see us right now, but we were um, looking at each other on FaceTime and just like, we absolutely love her. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. But the you're just this one question alone, you have, that, that's like three or four or more masterclasses <laughs> that I like was jotting down like her mindset from when she was in college, like to have the, that discernment to know, like, you know, to set myself in this path, my, my trajectory is here. Like, I'm not saying that the people below you, but you had a higher level mindset that, that, that kept you on this path Two, You talking about being surrounded by the company you keep. If that is not a message within And in three, just like your lessons that you've learned and how, you know, you navigated the storm and still did not allow it to shake you from your ultimate goal of not only, you know, accumulating and accumulating and generating wealth for yourself, but giving that back, giving that in return to other people so that they can start their own um, seed toward um, that path and Man, just so much. I'm, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> but thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being so open and transparent in your, your, your journey um, of where you are and how you got there. Because so many times we hear the the light side. I know I'm going I'm to I'm, I'm, I'm keep saying light because I know yeah. your mama named you Candle. And she <laughs> named you the right name for the right reason because she knew that she was going to light up all that little light. So, um I just, man, just, I'm just so amazed just just through, you know, you telling the full story because most times we see people on the other side and we don't, we want that for ourselves, but sometimes we're not equipped right at that moment for that. And we have to learn there, there are things along the way that, you know, takes you to get here. And sometimes most of us are not open to share that, or some of us are not open to accept that. So, um, thank you for just opening yourself in that way. And I'll let you talk Terry. and I'm sorry. Yeah, no, uh, agree. Uh, with everything you just said. I just want to say that listening to you talk and share your story, you can tell just how passionate you are about this. It is very evident in just the way you speak about your experiences. Um, The other thing I, while you were sharing your story and you, you were sharing, you know, when the the, the recession hit and I was just thinking like, what better person to, um, glean wisdom and knowledge and experience from them, from someone who is not only extremely successful in this field, but has also experienced some form of, um, failure. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yes. Some form of failure. Because a lot of times we do, we look at people and like Yana was saying, like you see like people only share the good side. Oh, yeah. And so then you say, oh, I'm going to try that. And, and with all these great expectations and these hopes of everything going right. Mm-hmm. And then they either don't tell you about yeah. the things that they had to struggle through or their failures, or um, they just, I, in my opinion, I feel like they probably, they're probably lying about their experience. If yeah. there was not some sort of struggle or some form of failure, because then there's no learning experience in that. Right. Yeah. So um, I just appreciate that. And I, and I'm like, okay, I am sold. And also what Yana said as well is, you know, the fact that you are like, okay, but I'm not just going to keep this for myself, keep this to myself. I want to be able to give this gift of knowledge to other black men and women to be able to, um, to create um, wealth um, and residual for themselves. Um, yeah going forward in the future. So I love that because Yana and I always talk about the fact that we love um, a queen that gives back that is about <laughs> giving back. Like yeah. seriously, seriously. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. My question. Got it. Um, we know that there are a lot of, you know, people tend to think of tr- the traditional way of really uh, going into real estate invest investing and the different methods of funding and even finding your next deal and property and all that stuff. Do you, is there a short story, excuse me, story or experience that you can share with us of just something that was unique or out of the ordinary when it came to either funding or finding um, real estate uh, or, you know, or, or yeah. clients or anything? Oh, yeah. I have. I always have a story to tell. <laughs> But I would say for our audience that is thinking that, let me back up. We're in an age where we are constantly comparing ourselves to social media, what we see. This person buying this large house or this person buying this uh, luxury vehicle. And so we're always thinking that we aren't worthy of or we can never have that because you see a comparison. and. Right now, I'm no longer doing direct real estate sales. I have a real estate team. I'm more on the teaching real estate investing side now. But when I was doing direct sales, I had a really great friend and um, Angie. And Angie wanted to get this. She called it the uh, the boss house. That's what was so funny. I got to have my boss house, Kendall. I got to have my boss house. And I work with more so a majority single black women. Uh, they're my clients and I love working with them because one thing, even if, if they're not single black women, any client that I work with, I'm educating you at the very same time uh, from beginning to end, because my goal is, and I tell everybody this, that when I sell you this house, I want you to be able to know so much that you can get your real estate license and sell the very next house to someone else. Yeah, And that's how knowledgeable all of my clients are. So and I tell them, you're going to have to trust me in this. I know what I'm doing and I've got to sleep at night. So I'm never going to steer you wrong. And if I am going to steer you wrong, I will get out of the situation and put somebody else in. So my my friend Angie was like, can I have this boss house? Now she's single and she was a teacher, but she wasn't getting the, she was like a certain tier of the pay grade. So she wasn't making what everybody else was making. She wasn't, I think, a certified teacher. And what she was approved with at that time, the market was starting to rebound and the prices were still low. They weren't too high, not like they are right now in Atlanta. And we were looking at all of these homes, but she was like, girl, hold up. How's this going to look on my Instagram? And I'm like, okay, first of all, we're not trying to find how's this house going to look on Instagram. 
We're going to find a house that you can literally pay the mortgage on. We're not going to lose if the market were to crash again because it can't crash. So Mm -hmm. we got to be strategic on this and how we're going to buy this property, knowing that you can afford this with your one income. And then we're going to have another conversation about getting another stream of income. So but that's a whole different conversation (laughs) Uh, because I'm really, really um, intentional about especially single women, single men, about having multiple streams. And COVID has shown us that. But back to Angie. When we were, you know, going around showing these, looking at these properties, I said, let's create a strategy because any realtor that you work with, they need to be able to have a strategy for you, or you should be able to work with that agent and say, this is going to be our strategy going in to the closing table. And um, a lot of realtors will just say, hey, let me show you this house. Let's write a contract and they can get the commission check. And if you got a realtor like that and you're listening, drop them immediately because you're going to be in for a big disappointment later on. They get their check and you're stuck with a mortgage you probably can't even afford with a house that you shouldn't even be getting in the first place. So with Angie, we ended up getting a house maybe at uh, $139, but I told her, let's do this strategy. If you want to make a lot of, if you want to get your house and with all the, uh, the square footage that you want, that'll look like a boss house on Instagram, less you're going to have to trust me. She's like, um... I don't want to do what you're about to say. I was like, no, you've got to trust me. She knew what I was going to say. I was going to tell her, we don't need a $200,000 house right now. Mm -hmm. Yes, lenders can give it to you. They always give us more than we can afford to give us that leverage, that leg room, but that's Mm -hmm. not what you can't afford. Mm -hmm. So let's look at this 139 property. And it just, she was kicking and screaming. When I tell you kicking and screaming, and I'm like, you've got to trust me on this. I said, this is what we're going to do. This is our strategy. I want you to get a new construction property. And she was like, okay, I can do that. New construction, 139. So one particular day, I, I found it on the MLS and I said, they haven't even built it yet. Go ahead and let's um, let's look at the lot. Let's see how it's going to look, um, what the four plans are going to look like and see if this could work because this is right in your um, your budget. I like this property. Now, it was in somewhat of the hood, <laughs> but she didn't care. Because all she saw when I sold her the strategy of this is what we're going to do. Anytime you buy new construction and you're the first person into a community, the more they build, the more they're going to increase the price by increments. Yes. So by the time you get out of that subdivision and they get through built, well, by the time they get through, the builders get out of that subdivision, you will be the richest person in that neighborhood. You can't <laughs> come beat on it. Equity. It, it come on equity. So when I told her that, she took it and ran with it and I sent her the property lot. She was there in the middle of the night in the hood, candle, FaceTiming me, candle, candle. This is it. We getting this. Girl, this is it. I said, okay, we'll write the contract. So everything looked great. It was in her budget. It wasn't her her type of boss house, but because it was a backyard and um, it was newer than the other homes because this is when like the market crashed and all the builders had crashed. Um, President Obama at that time had passed some type of a uh, uh, law or regulation for the new builders that are still existing to go back into these old existing and finish out those neighborhoods that never got complete. Mm-hmm. So that's how we were able to get in. And that's why it was so rock bottom low because <laughs> that particular builder had got the lot at extremely low price. So the house was extremely low um, when we got it at 139. I still can't believe that was a, it was a two story, three bedroom, two and a half bath at 139, new construction in Atlanta. I still mm-hmm. cannot believe that. And we jumped on it immediately. And I called the agent like, hey, I don't care who calls. We're going to be there tomorrow. We wrote that contract. I said, better yet, send me the contract tonight. Because I knew the minute that people got whipped of where it was, 
And the lot size, we were going to be in multiple offers, even for that one contract. So the agent was like, hey, Kendall, I got you. So we got her on the contract. We got into the house. And when we did the final walkthrough, it took about maybe five months for it to be built. We got into the house. She still was not crazy about it. I'm like, look at the equity you're going to have. Because, of course, we did our homework. We knew how many homes they were going to build. And we had an idea of how much equity she was going to have when we sold the house. Well, two years later, it just took two years. She was like, I'm ready for my boss house. She was able to sell that house that was at 139. And she walked away with close to maybe 65 to 70,000 in equity in that house. Wow. And wow. then she took that money and bought her bomb boss house. Yes. Mm. And that's what I tell people. Like, sometimes you're not denied. You're just delayed. Yes. And who could, you know, you get to tell everybody like, this is how it was. Because everybody's like, Angie, how in the world did you get this big old house? She could tell everybody the strategy that she used to get it. And so I tell people, like, it's not just about, you know, just doing it for the gram. She did it in a strategic way that was so smart. And she is so glad that she did it that right instead of just going immediately into that $200,000 house she couldn't afford. Because mm-hmm. now her mortgage payment is the bomb.com because she put all that money down. Yes. So that has to be like one of my best stories because it's so common. I don't know how common it is in Dallas, but I know in Atlanta, everybody's trying to be, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, mm-hmm. and, and have the boss house. And it was just one of my best stories. Like you don't have to have it right now. You grow yeah. into it. Yes. And that's yeah. the same way with a lot of people that want to get into real estate investing. They get so intimidated because they see that person that has the, the 12 unit apartment complex and think, oh, I'll never be able to get that. Yes, you can, mm-hmm. because it starts with your first house and yeah. people don't understand the leverage that you have with the house that you're even living in, mm-hmm. how you could take that house and build up yeah. and get the that boss 12 unit apartment complex. I mean, you can get hotels. I mean, it just starts with your first house, but we yeah. just don't see that. We get just, started. We just <laughs> want to get started. Right. Yeah. And we just want to get immediately there. Like, I got to <laughs> have that by tomorrow. No, you don't. You don't. It's going to happen. You don't start there. It has to start here. Just take a few steps backwards and then you grow into it. I love that. Oh, you are. I know we're not talking <laughs> about mates right now, but my husband, I shared with you before we recorded that my husband is in. Um, he's more on the the, the lending side. He's yeah. a lender. So um, I kind of, my world is kind of, is really invested in real estate. I'm actually a, um, a signing agent too. I do know. Her. So I know. <laughs> so it's just, and we really have been moving more in the, in the investment, investing side of real yeah. estate. So to hear you and how you really like educate your clients, um, like you, you will hear them out, hear their goals, but it's more of, really educating them how they get there in a better way that's that they may not could see or sometimes may be hard for them to hear or see right. at the time but it's really guiding them through and it's really showing that level of care that um so often many of us don't see in this space to yeah. be honest um yeah. and just kind of how you operate on the the realtor side is actually kind of how my husband works on the lending side. He's very intentional about okay. uh, with every client that he gets that it's it's not about his commission. It's more about like this is an investment. This is most people's largest investment 
in their lifetime. And it goes deeper than just a transaction. This is something that could be passed down from generation to generation. This can be like, like you said, the, the core component into them funding other deals and getting their portfolio. Um, It could be what they dreamed of. It could help them get into um, a much better situation um, economically. Just so many things that can surround um, about you purchasing your home. And so to see, I mean, I know there are a lot of us out there that really truly think beyond just the transaction, but that's just one of the many things that I admire from you and, and, okay. and hear from you is that yeah. you operate from that mindset too. Like it goes beyond just the deal. Like oh, how yeah. is this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's what's missing in real estate sales it's in our community for sure is that there's never that conversation of what do you plan to be 30 years from now? Or what is your lifetime goal? Because it's all aligned with that real estate that you're buying, but no one thinks to to think on that level. But it is because I can tell you, like with this house, like this is going to be my house. Well, I'll I'll have this for like for generations. It's going to be passed down. But I already have plans with the house, and most people think, "Oh, I just have it and I live in it." No, you could do other things with it if you just you know have that conversation or just think outside the box. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and yes. Okay. Um. So my question for you is um, for someone wanting to throw their hat in the ring for real estate investing, Mm -hmm. what would you say from your personal vantage would be the top three or five things that they should consider prior to starting? Wow. Well, anybody that wants to get into real estate investing, I'm, I'm team real estate investing. So You've got me. I will spend all day convincing you why you should get into real estate investing. <laughs> um, and, you, and, and I think it still goes back to, well, I'm not going to say it's my top one. I'll say it's probably number three. It's about who you surround yourself with because they can talk you into it or they can talk you out of it. Um, that one person will find, you know, 10 things on why real estate investing is amazing. And then you can find another person to find 20 things why real estate investing is not amazing. Yeah. So it's a matter, it's a matter of you making that decision for yourself. And the first thing, and it's so funny because I was talking to a, a friend this morning, she had put in a Facebook group that we're in. Like she said, y'all, I just got approved for a $200,000, um, loan and I want to get a property. And it was so funny because, and she said, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden you saw all these agents, call me, call me, call me, call me, call me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm sitting here, Master girl, if you don't call me right now before you even do anything with anybody's agent, <laughs> because you're going to make the biggest mistake. Mm-hmm. She was so excited. She got approved and she just knows she wants to get into investing. And I told her the first thing that you've got to do is one, what is your goal? And yes. she was like, I don't know. Oh my God. I need a goal, don't I? Like, <laughs> yes, you need a goal because if you don't, you get in with a, a realtor you know, and they'll just have you all over the place. You'll buy something and then you get to the closing table like, what the heck did I just do? Yeah. Because it was never aligned with your goal. Mm. So it just depends. Because like, like I was mentioning earlier, like you could say, you know, I'm planning to have a child in, you know, the next two years. You, what you could do is buy a real estate, a, a property now, a rental property. Um, Very low rental property. 
and just get that passive stream of income coming in. So when you have that child, you can matter of fact, you can put your child's name also on the deed if you want to so that they can have their own asset or go ahead and have the will to them in case something were to happen to you. They will already inherit it and they'll be the heir. But you can have this plan because it's all aligned with your goals. But this plan of, okay, if I'm having a child next two years and let's say they don't get a, a college scholarship and I know they're going to college, I can get this property to pay for the entire tuition for them to go to college. It's possible because by the time 18 years happen, they, it's come and gone, it's appreciated. And then you're also taking that passive stream of income that you're getting the profit from the money that you're getting from your tenants, put that into a bank account, then start the list. I think it's a 501c3 college savings account. Yes. Put that money in there. Hmm. And then there you go. So, I mean, and that's how you're using real estate to, to meet one of your goals right there. So you don't have to, because I know that's one thing that many parents worry about is how am I paying for college? Mm-hmm. Real estate, you know? <laughs> so it's just one of those things. I mean, I have friends that literally have real estate that pays for each one of their bills. Like they drive a, a luxury vehicle. It's a 202 Smith Street that's paying for that note. I got another one that says, well, I don't want to, you know, I want to uh, go vacationing every year. Well, they got this particular property that's paying for that vacation. They're just, those properties are just giving them the luxury that they want and they have financial freedom with it. So it's whatever you want your goal, whatever your goal is, there is a way that real estate can be involved with you getting it. So I would say, know your goals. I would then, uh, two, you've got to do, uh, a lot of learning and research. I mean, pretty much like, like diving into all things real estate investing. Getting to a lot of Facebook groups, taking real estate courses, uh, talking to people, um, just pretty much just immersing yourself in, driving around, looking at houses and determining, okay, if I had that particular property, if I want it, would I rehab it? Would I wholesale it? Would I fix it up and put a tenant in place? Like, and just get an idea of what you would have a feel for, but learning about each one of the strategies. And I think that's another thing too is that right now wholesaling has become the biggest thing and it is a dope way and an easy way to make money and you don't put any money in whatsoever. So you could wholesale or you could um, become a flipper, which is also HGTV, HGTV Girl, is nothing HGTV but flipping. Yeah. <laughs> and it is nothing well, like, a dream, let me boy. tell you about Chip and Joanna. Okay. <laughs> this is the real deal. So they only show you what you want to see. Right. There. Oh my gosh. Now see, and this is the thing. We're so quick to just see it really quick. And then you see this home being demolished in one hour time and it ends up being so beautiful. It does not work like that. I can't Mm -mm, tell you how many contractors I fired and hired, hired and fired, fired and hired over and over again. It's nowhere as easy as you think it is. And neither is wholesaling, but it's a system. And the more you learn about it, it's like, okay, I have the templates for this. And then you also have to realize like why you're doing it to begin with. So this is where it goes back to your goals. Because there's some days where you're going to be mad. Some days you're not going to have um, the deal that you want. It didn't work out the way you thought. So you learn from that lesson, but you just keep going. So I would just say it definitely have to be your goals. And then you've got to know your why, mm-hmm. why you're doing this. <laughs> and then that, that research is also important. And then I guess, yeah, the research tied in with who you're rounding yourself with, that, that ties in for three. Yeah. <laughs> Those are all nice. great. Yeah. 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 Goals, research, and know your why. Mm-hmm. 
We got to turn off HGTV yeah. now. We don't live in a microwave society. I don't even watch you. HGTV. <laughs> I, I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, because they don't have enough of us. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Right. Like, where, where are we at? Where's the diversity? Right. Well, I, know that <laughs> I have some friends that are investors in Atlanta. They have been uh, interviewing for a television show. They are looking for Black women investors. Mm-hmm. Hoping that they turn it into something because, I mean, we are um, finally uh, getting some spotlight and yeah. we're also speaking out like, hey, we're, we're real estate investors. A lot of us, I used to right. be to people that I had seven properties. I don't know why. It just seemed like, what? Who does that? That ain't <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing. You know, so I ain't tell nobody I had it. But now it's like, no, we're proud that we have these properties or that we're flipping or that we're looking at. I mean, for me, um, I'm, I'm just definitely in a great comfort zone because I don't have an interest in buying purses. I'm looking at properties. Mm-hmm. That, that's all day. Like I'm literally selling purpose, purses that I have so I can buy my next property. It's Come on. I'm just thinking differently now. Yes, 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 yes. Ain't that true? <laughs> I feel like I, that's all I can say is, ain't that true? <laughs> you can't say nothing. So I can't say anything. Just wave your hands. The amen. I mean, boy, just, anyway. Um, wow. You know, kind of just continuing this conversation and, and talking about, you know, um, the, that last statement you just said is, you know, I'd rather I, I'll, I'll sell my purse so that I can buy, you know, be able yeah. to, to invest and buy the next property. Um, you know, ownership is a huge, um, it's a big topic among it, within the black community, or, or I should say the lack of ownership yeah. um, within our communities. And, you know, we see that kind of spiraling and there's mm-hmm. no, when we talk about the the gap, the, the gap wealth or the wealth gap, excuse me. Yeah, the racial wealth gap. The racial no uh, wealth gap. And um, and and how that's affecting Black communities. For you, what do you think is one one struggle that you see that is continuously plaguing in our communities, specifically when it comes to real estate and building wealth? We don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it. Um, that's the biggest problem. And I and, it, and sometimes I even I laugh at my I, when I now with my mom, we laugh about it because I'm like, why didn't you? Explain to me and my brother much better when we were younger about what we were doing or what we were going to inherit and have already inherited. And she was just like, nobody really talked about it at that time. Or it was kind of like frowned upon because, you know, our community, we're used to working. We have that one job and we get our uh, retirement and that's it. That's all our conversations are about. And but we don't have the conversations of you can have that one job. And love that one job. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that one job. But we also need to have another stream of income. Mm-hmm. But we also need to be having having conversations about assets. We need to be having a conversation. I think what blows my mind that nobody really talks about enough is we're really doing it wrong. The wealthy stay wealthy because they're living off the assets. Mm-hmm. What we should be doing is taking our checks, putting them into assets, whether it's real estate, whether it's stocks or, an, or a business that is creating passive streams of income for us. And then the money we make from that passive stream is what we're supposed to be paying our bills with. Yeah, That's how you have wealth. And that, and so if something happens to you, it's automatically going to your children. It's a no brainer. And they automatically just start getting monthly checks coming in. And so that's something we don't talk about enough. And 
if we could just talk about real estate more and not be more so of using real estate to say, hey, I got 35 properties. You need to follow me and take my course type of thing. No, it's not about that. It's more so of I have 35 properties. I want to show you how this is doing this for how these 35 properties are doing it for my family and what it can do for your family or these options that, you know, it just needs to go further than that. Instead of just saying, this is what I got. It should be more so, okay, I got it, but I, my goal is I need you to get it. And this mm-hmm. is why, and this is how I'm going to help you get it and have those conversations. Cause it's not enough conversations about why it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Yes. Yes. Um, one thing that tap dances on my nerve and frustrates me is this removal or driving out of black families from neighborhoods due to gentrification. Um, I'm one that's all for revitalization, but it's like, why can't the two exist? I know that this is a loaded question, but how can we work to take back our communities or band together to rebuild and beautify our spaces in our own way? And I, before you answer that, I second that tap dance because this drives me <laughs> yeah. nuts. And me too. Me too. That is something. And it's so funny because I have a my last episode of my podcast, Lighting Up Real Estate, I interviewed an appraiser. A black woman out of Atlanta because I just happened to call her. It wasn't that I was like I was intentionally looking her for her to interview. I happened to call her because I'm in a I was in a situation where uh, I had a client in uh, Atlanta, in South Atlanta, South Fulton, which is majority black. He had a house, he rehabbed it, and he said, "Hey, Candle, I want to know how much this house is worth before we list it." Okay, cool. Gave them to an appraiser. The appraiser uh, listed the house at, I can't even think of the price. It was so ridiculously low. And I'm like, there's no way. Our comps already show that we can sell this house at at least 70 to 80,000 more than what this appraiser came back at. So I was like, you're just going to have to trust me on this. I know this house is going to sell. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a freaking seller's market because I think that's when everybody was getting all those uh those checks, <laughs> the stimulus checks. And so it was just a it was a selling frenzy in Atlanta. And I'm like, just trust me, this house is gonna sell. We did it strategically. We hit it on we put on the market right at was it fourth no one fourth of July weekend. Labor Day weekend. That's when we put it on the market. And we had over 19 showings over a two day period had nine offers on the table. We got 10,000 over the asking price, right? Wow. So we knew we did it right. Yeah. And we were very confident about the appraisal because there's two, well, well, you know, when you buy a house, you have you, that buyer pays for well, the appraiser from the lender. The lender mm-hmm. requires that you get the appraisal. Right. So that buyer, we were very confident. We were like, oh, we have no worries about it. We were somewhat a little scared because you know, if you've watched the news over the summer about the couple, in Florida that had um, dealt with the racial discrimination. They were an interracial couple. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. And so this is what kind of made the light bulb come on for us because that house in Florida, I think it was uh, appraised. Was it 
like they had a 200,000 and appraised at 300,000. I can't remember the exact numbers. And they did it twice. For the second time mm-hmm. they did the appraisal, they removed all the uh, pictures of the black family. Yeah, was the, the wife was black, the husband yes, was white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yep. the white husband happened to greet the appraiser. Mm-hmm. And the wife was gone the second time. And yep. all the pictures were removed and it came back at whatever price it should be. Um, that was the same as the comps in the area. Right. And it was a huge like difference. Well, I was concerned about that. And so when we got the appraisal back, the house appraised, appraised from this, the buyer's appraisal for $100,000 more than that first appraisal that my client got. Wow. And we could not think immediately we were in the same situation. One, my client is African-American. It's in an African-American neighborhood. Why were you coming in so low? Mm-hmm. And we were just like, okay, should we take legal action? Should we go to the news? You know, we were just livid. And, but we didn't want to mess up the cell either. And it was just like, oh my gosh, we have been discriminated against because a hundred thousand dollar difference. And the only thing I can think of what angers me about it is what if my client would have said, Candle, I don't trust you. Um, we are going to, no, Candle, I trust you. Let's sell it at this appraised price instead of take, instead of going at the price that I told him that we could get it for. And he would have lost a hundred thousand dollars in that sale. Yeah. And it's real. It is so incredibly real about how, and, and the thing is the conversations that we say behind the scenes, because of course I was selling it with other investors um, that are also in the Atlanta area about the situation. And they were like, this is how, the white flippers or real estate investors keep their money because they keep coming into our communities. Because if, if my client would have said, well, candle, let's sell it at that a price that the appraisal came like, it was like maybe three fifty. It was a ridiculously low. Um, yeah, it was three fifty, and we ended up selling for like four sixty. Four sixty. And he would have lost that one hundred thousand one hundred and ten thousand dollars, but let a white investor come in and get it. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like gentrification. Yeah. Gentrification is something that I've seen it on both sides. I've seen it in another part of Atlanta when I was uh, listing a property. And this is an incredibly sad story, but I'm going to share it. And I tell everybody about this because I don't think people really understand the depths of what gentrification is doing to families. But it was a particular client. He had received, he was an heir to the property. He had received it. His parents had passed away. All he knew was this particular house. That's all he knew. He grew up in it. It was in East Atlanta. And I don't know if you're not familiar with East Atlanta. This was an area that was all black and it is extremely been gentrified. Like I can't even tell you. It's like a whole new community. And people have been asking, you know, hey, I want your house. I want your house. Well, he's like one of those guys, like I all I know is this house candle. I don't know what to do but to stay in this house. But he didn't take care of the house. It was mold in the house. He forgot he got behind on his taxes. And that's something else we don't talk about with gentrification is that as these other homes come in and get built, the taxes go up. Yep. And in some of these communities, we have people that are on fixed income. They cannot afford those taxes. Yeah. And as those those taxes go up, those communities that cannot afford it, they have to pay it and they get behind. And in the state of Georgia, if you don't pay your taxes, I could just say, hey, let me go see who ain't paid their taxes today and go make the payment. 
Mm-hmm. You have 365 days to make that payment. On that 366 day, if you don't make that payment, that house is mine. Just like that. So it was already, we found out that people had already been paying the taxes and he had to come up with so many thousands of dollars on top of also fixing the house. Then he had took out a loan because I think he had gotten sick, uh, borrowing against the house. It was a lot of things that he did that were really bad mistakes on a property mm-hmm. that was very, very valuable. And it was like we had to sell it. And it got to a point where his next door neighbor, who was white, felt incredibly bad about what was going on in the neighborhood. She even had, before Black Lives Matter even pretty much existed, she already had a sign saying Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And, and she called me crying when I had to put the sign in the yard. She was like, Candle, I cannot let this happen. I will buy the house cash. He's got to stay in this neighborhood. We can, like, she was literally like owning up to it. Like, we cannot continue to push this community out. Wow. She said that. That's and by the time she got wow. there, I had tears in my eyes because I'm like, wow, like you get it. You get it. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, he was surrounding himself with some people that said we need to get all the money we can and run instead of just taking the deal that was offered. Because if you would have took the deal, he would have stayed in the house and she was going to fix it up and give the deed back to him. That's how heartfelt she was about the situation. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, he was around people that wanted the greed and said, no, that's not enough money. We want this. And I'm like, no, that's what you want. <laughs> That's not what he needs. He needs yeah. to So unfortunately, he I parted ways. I fired myself. I removed myself from the deal. I said, I don't want to be a part of this because mm. this is a no-brainer. This, I mean, and by, and when I even suggested that, you know, that that next door neighbor buy it, I wasn't getting any commission because it was like the purpose. Like, you need to go with your neighbor. This is a no-brainer. Right. Don't move. And because it was the amount that they wanted, he left. And of course, some investors got in, flipped the property and made a gang load of money. And yeah. so <laughs> with gentrification, it, it's a really like a sore spot of me because I see both sides of it. And I don't know how we can really fix it. It's like you want the neighborhood to look great. You want the businesses to come back. You want the communities to stay the same. But it's hard when you have these hard, heavy, I mean, these heavy hitter investors. That can, you know, pay cash immediately before, you know, family members can get all their money together to pay the taxes before that 366 day. And it's sad because they're because once they rehab the property as a real estate investor, you can't go back and say, OK, I'm going to buy this property at $60,000, then rehab it and turn around and sell it at $60,000. No, an investor, they go in with that investor mindset and they're saying, OK, I'm buying it at sixty. I'm going to put about 60000 worth of repairs in it. Then I'm turning around selling this bad boy for $300,000. And they will. So that way you've already, you know, eliminated that community. They cannot afford that. And I just, that's a great question. And I'm looking for a lot of answers because I would love to support uh, anybody that says how we can get these houses, rehab them. I wish it was a grant that existed mm-hmm. and just said, hey, let's just, rehab these houses and let them stay yes. in the home. Let's yes. pay taxes on these homes that mm-hmm. can't afford it. Um, and I just don't, yeah, it's, it's a hard subject to talk about. It is. Wow. Wow. That is, that was a heartbreaking yeah. Yeah. story, yeah. man. And it's every day, every day. In, in large cities, especially in the inner city, because now the mm-hmm. 
thing that we talk about now is buy the block, buy the block. And it's a great thing when, when it's us buying the block, but also too, when much is given, much is required. Yeah. Right. Like, are yeah. you buying the block, fixing it up so that the, uh, you know, the white collar workers can come in and live? Yes, there's still us, but what happened to grandmama? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. grandmama going to go? Yes. Yeah. It goes back to your why. What's your why? Mm-hmm. What's your why? Yeah. What's your why? Yeah. Woo. My goodness. You were you going to say something? No, I, oh, I'm okay. just taking it all in. Because, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to get emotional on the show. Go ahead. Oh, Go ahead. I've already got emotional. You're the Go best. ahead. <laughs> no, we have this running type of. It's not a joke, but it, it's a running I'm joke. The crier. Like the, the I'm crier the crier of how many times she cries yeah. per season. Per episode, oh. so yeah. No, I felt that though, and that's why it's such. It's one of the driving forces um, behind both me and my husband why we are so passionate about real estate investing from that standpoint. And um, while you know, on one hand, yeah, don't get me wrong, it can it can help boost your wealth, but. It's just so hard for me to see yeah. people who are who barely have anything get mm-hmm. that yeah. taken stripped away from them, especially when that's all they've known and mm-hmm. lived all their lives, and they yeah. they're pushed away from something that is is them. What's well, the um, thing about it? Long years ago, you know, our our grandparents had deeds. We had land. Yeah. We had deeds. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell happened? Yeah. You know, it's like, how, where do we get to this? Like what? <laughs> I mean, you know? I, I really think it comes down to the simple, it's complicated, but the, the simple fact of people have forgotten how to really, truly love their neighbor in all facets Absolutely. of life. And Absolutely. this is another, you know, part that Absolutely. people are not loving their neighbor. We're really only thinking about ourselves. Self yeah. and greed. Yeah. It's greed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and greed is what caused the crash in back in 2008. Oh, yes, it yeah. is. It was nothing but greed. And at the same time, like real estate is booming. There is a lot of greed. And so, and, and that's what I tell people when you want to get into real estate investing, you have to treat it like a business. Like, and when you go into a business like Chick-fil-A, we mm-hmm. all know they are the, 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 the winners of having ethics and values. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they are not wavering. You got to be that same way with your business. Because I have uh, friends that are wholesalers. And one of my friends, Kay, she's like, I don't care whatever wholesale deal I do. I'm never going over $3,000. Well, you see a lot of wholesalers making Mm $30,000, you know, all of this money. (laughs) And I'm like, because at the end of the day, because you guys know what a wholesaler is, though, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. What she means by that is that she's in Atlanta and she is in those communities where gentrification, gentrification is happening. Mm-hmm. And when she has these conversations, she does go by a code of ethics like, hey, first of all, if you're going to sell this house, where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. You know, she has to make sure that or she'll say, I'm walking away from this deal. I'm not mm-hmm. being a part of this. If you just need this quick fix and you and this going to have some permanent consequences, I can't do it. But a lot of the wholesales will come in with a lot of uh, scripts. That they have practiced. And they selling. They're they're selling the HGTV dream. You know, the HGTV dream. <laughs> you know, and right. they're saying, oh, I can sell this. I can sell your house for, for. I know you got mold. I know you got water leaks. I know you have issues with you know 
um, your electricity. So, you know what? I'm just going to take it off your hands and relieve you of this. Mm -hmm. And I can have cash in your hand if you Mm -hmm. take it at $30,000, right? And it sounds so good because this person is coming to solve a problem. Yes, we are problem solvers. But you have those wholesalers agreeing that you're solving this problem and giving this person $30,000 when you get into that car and write that contract and you're putting it out there to all your um, investors like, hey, I got a property and you're literally knowing that you're going to make 30000 off of it. Mm-hmm. But you could have given that 30000 to that seller. Yeah. So that's where it gets kind of complicated. <sighs> and yeah. And that's where you got to have your ethics and your values of even if you're going in to flip these properties, going into the buy the block, like is the value, okay, we're only going to do like minor stuff so we could turn around and sell this to a single mom. Yeah. Or, or team up with grants so that we can keep the same people that are in the community staying in the community, but it's a win-win for everybody. You know, so it's just all on how you're going to do your business. Yeah. And thank you for um, just shedding light on, you know, even in more in depth for people who may not know or understand, you know, when we're talking about the issue with gentrification and even ownership within our communities and the things that we, you know, we get tied up in red tape and for lack of knowledge uh, and and lack of communication and not talking about these things. Um, And we, we can end up finding ourselves in some, some pretty hot water. Oh yeah. Um, I want to ask you since, you know, knowledge is is power. um, Are there any special programs or incentives out there for, you know, our first time home buyers or, investor that that you're aware of that you'd love to maybe share with us (laughs) i'll be honest there are programs out there um i mean it's it's companies called like naca that are out there um i honestly i don't work with those programs or grants i am more so that traditional way um only because if you do go with the grants or the home buyer programs this just be aware and ask tons and tons and tons of questions. Yes. Because it's a catch with it. I hate to tell you this. Like, yeah, they pay for this. Yeah, but with, with price. You know, if you go with a home buyer program, you might have a higher interest rate. Uh, you might be tied into a lien, a second lien that will go onto that property until you stay in the house for a number of years or you repay that loan that pays for your down payment or pays for your closing costs. Through, um, uh, I guess, a certain amount of mortgages that you're going to have to make. So you just have to be very, very, very careful of, of accepting those type of grants and of uh, those programs. And that's why I've never been a fan of them. Because I'm, I'm not saying that I don't trust it, but it's just kind of like when I want you to get your house, I want you to get it free and clear, like nothing else is tied to it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but that's just me. Now I have friends that, that are agents and they do like the NACA all the time. It's just not my cup of tea. I just like, no, nah, I, I want the traditional way. The like, traditional route. Yeah. Yes. The traditional mm-hmm. route. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so for our listeners, Kendall, she really is invested in the education side of real estate. So much so that she has created a whole university behind um, you know, th- those who are interested in real estate and really want to get educated in that area. So Kendall, can you share how you're creating a haven for education for those interested in real estate? <laughs> sure. I, well, I have that degree. I have several degrees in education. So it's kind of like God said, Kendall, you're going to use that degree and mess with real estate. And we're going to just, you're going to teach. 
And uh, I had to just, I sat on this for maybe close to two years of figuring out exactly what I wanted to teach and how I wanted to teach it. But it still just comes back to the conversations of real estate investing and why you should be real estate investing. But not only just that, with this course, I had it on Teachable. And when I created it on Teachable, it still just didn't feel right. Like I'm still doing a disservice because because my intention is I don't want anybody even wasting their time. Because like we talked about in the beginning, how our time is so valuable. If you're doing this with intention to become a real estate investor, you should be becoming a real estate investor after taking the course. So I took it off of Teachable, took it back to my website, and I created Candle University, where I have a course already on there, um, how beginners can build wealth with real estate and never stop. And that's pretty much what you do. And I teach you just pretty much the, the fundamentals of real estate investing, how to get started, how to create your team, how to understand financing, creative financing, and the six different strategies of how the wealthy have used real estate. And that's something that many people don't talk about. They see the end, but they don't know where it started. And so that's what my course is all about is where it starts. And it all starts with your first house, literally. It starts with your first house. And I teach you just how to use um, what you have now to build whatever you want with real estate. If you want to start another business, you can. If you want to buy that hotel, you can. <laughs> if you want to just like pay for college education, you can do that. And uh, that's why I really love this course, because I think a lot of people don't realize, especially in our community, how many the wealthy have used and still use real estate as leverage just for the littlest things. It's always been real estate. So uh, that's what Candle University is for. And even after you finish the course, I've even set it up to where you have coaches that can assist you to get you to that first house. And beyond that, because my goal is to definitely make sure that you have everything you need, even from the contracts that are there. I teach you even how to uh, create your LLC and uh, your operating agreements. All your contracts are, are there. I have, uh, oh gosh, so much in that thing from the resources that you need, even uh, the companies that you can use uh, from beginning to end. Uh, it, anything I can think of, I'm adding something to it every single day. So that I definitely know that when you take this, I love getting the text messages that, oh my gosh, Candle, I finished the course and I've got my business started. I'm getting ready to start this. I'm starting that. Or I've had to pivot and take on another job because I want to save so much amount of money before I get my first property. I know that they're doing that work that I told them about in the course. So, or I'm, no, I think best, the best text message I got was Candle. I'm learning about credit from the course and I've signed up and we're disputing certain things because we're getting the credit right so that we can get ready to start meeting with the hard money lenders. This is how I know you're doing it because if you're doing all this, you're going to be, you're, you're a real estate investor. This is what we do all day. And it's no different, but it's just more so just getting into that mindset. So that's pretty much why I created that course. Candle wow. University. So basically what I've heard is that <laughs> you have basically created the Bible of real estate. So you can learn from <laughs> Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> but fact, yes. It's a lot in there. It is a lot. And I get a lot of, uh, especially from uh, people that have taken it like, Candle, you're not charging enough for this course. You keep adding so much stuff. And I'm like, no, I need everybody in it. I don't want any excuse because this is just the beginning. I just, I just, what my course is pretty much about in Campbell University is just the foundation. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all I wanted to be because you never stop learning. Even, even though I flipped, even though I have, uh, 
uh, tenants and houses. I'm still reading real estate investing books and learning about real estate because you never stop learning. And what I've just created is just that foundation. Like if you just do this, do what I'm telling you to do in this course, you can literally have anything in the world that you want to have and you can use real estate to get it. Mm. Amen. Yeah. 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 This has been great. This has been such a great conversation. Mm-hmm. I feel like we went to school. I feel like maybe we took one course because oh, I feel like almost girl. She gave uh, us life lessons and real estate lessons. Oh. Well, no, you're right. You're right. Definitely a ton of courses. Um, because yeah, it's like Yana just said, you gave us all that and a bag of chips. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I'd be saying that again. Um, but thank you, thank you so much for sharing all these gems and, and knowledge and information and your stories and your experience mm-hmm. and your passion for your work in real estate. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, we have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. But before we officially let you go, we do have a few closing questions that we'd like to ask you. So, um, you know, we're in a new year now um, and 2020 was a doozy for us all. And <laughs> I would just like to know what's something that you learned in 2020? Ooh, that's a question. Oh, wow. What did I learn? Peace. Yeah. Peace. I learned how- peace. Yes. I learned how to find peace in the midst of all this chaos. That's and that's the ultimate lesson because yeah. I mean, 2020 gave us a lot. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. if you didn't learn how to sit and surround yourself with peace in the midst of all the chaotic yeah. things that happened in us, it, yeah, it was a shift. So I would agree. I would say that was a lesson for me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that, um, you have Kendall, you, um, are there any, oh, you also have the podcast too. Have the podcast, um, if you yeah. want to share about that, can you share a little bit about sure. the podcast? Yeah. So I have a podcast called lighting up real estate. It was created, uh, because I was in a, a, a mentor, some college students, and they just happened to ask me how my day was going. And I was like, Oh, I was on the phone with my best friend. And she was literally asking me about, uh, a lot that she was looking at getting and should we zone it for residential or should we zone it for commercial? Cause she's going to put stores at the bottom and residents at the top. And the mouth literally just dropped wide open. Like, wait a minute, you just had a conversation. Like, yeah, I talk like this all the time, every single day. And they were like, I wish we could have been a fly on the wall here in this conversation. And I thought about what it is. A, it's a blessing that I have these conversations mm-hmm. and how I wish more, you know, people could hear these type of conversations. Cause they might start thinking differently. If I could just plant a seed of, you know, we're not talking about buying the latest Louis Vuitton that came out. <laughs> we're talking about buying some properties right? and yeah. buying land. So it was like, oh, we need to hit record on this. So it just started from there. So I just started reaching out to my real estate investing friends like, hey, I have this idea. I want to dedicate this, you know, to my mentees. And it just blew up from there. And it's, it's just been a blessing. Uh, it, it's blessed me more than I could even imagine just to have the conversations and the mindsets. And then also giving that opportunity and for for these real estate investors that are doing an amazing job, it just put them at a light on them. Like, Hey, you know, you're helping people just by sharing what you know, you don't know how you're changing lives as well. So to be a part of a catalyst in that is pretty good. Awesome. How yeah. often do you record or release your episodes? We do once a week. We record awesome. once a week. Yeah. Okay. So we're starting our, we just started the second season. It's been 
COVID has given us like a lot of grace to just do whatever we want to do pretty much. So <laughs> we've done a couple of uh, uh, new, new episodes that are coming out now. And then they're also uh, just allowing us to, to just keep, uh, I guess say, uh, adding more, like mm-hmm. I, I, more people I talk to is like, Hey, I need you on that podcast. Hey, I need you. So it's just, yeah. it's bigger than I could have even imagined because we're now having these conversations about real estate and how mm-hmm. it is given us the opportunity to, to have that past stream of the wealth or, you know, or the lifestyle that we want. So we're just finally talking about it. Yes. Conversation has to start. Your conversations <laughs> have to start. Absolutely. And you said you're about to start a season two. Yeah. Okay. Lighting up real estate, you guys. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Yes. Are there any other projects in the works for 2021? Or I have so many ideas in my head. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's the crazy part. HGTV. No. No. I will be rooting for everybody on HGTV, but no, no HGTV for me. I just want to do a lot more educating. Yes. I go on another level. I do plan to write a book in 2021 awesome. about real estate investing and yes. when totally sugared. Yeah. Let me get my but, pre-sale order in now oh. before you write your first word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I got to do that. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Just continue to just get, I just want to, to just get to more people, just reach more people about real estate investing. That's all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really not trying to buy any more properties as of yet. I haven't, that's not on my plan right now. Nah, I'm good. All right. Y'all heard it here first. Yeah. Go ahead, like Yana <laughs> said, go ahead and put your pre-sale orders in. Mm-hmm. We know she hadn't wrote anything yet, but it's no. coming. It's coming. <laughs> she gave y'all a lot of free material. She really did. <laughs> She really did. Light my name. A candle loses nothing to light another candle. So, girl, girl. I say this all the time. Put that on the shirt. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um. Well, our my final question for you is just let us know and our let us let us and our listeners know how we can connect with you and your work. Absolutely. Okay, you can always go to candlelocket.com or lightingupreallestate.com. I'm also on Instagram at candlelocket, on Twitter at candlelocket, and on Facebook, candlelocket. All right, candlelocket, <laughs> y'all. We will make sure that we have all of um, your uh, links uh, put in our description notes and our, on our blog posts. So yes. everyone will have direct access to you. Yes, and also if you want to take uh, a, the course, at Canada yes. University, I do have a special offer with 20% off membership. Yes. And it's just a one-time payment and you get all the resources, all the courses that I'll be adding for lifetime. We will also have that information yeah. for you just as keep well. Giving yeah. I'm telling you. Candle, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I know we've said this many times, but we just want to let you know, we just really have enjoyed you. We absolutely yes. love you and all the things that you have going keep that thank you yes yes, you are such (sighs) i was gonna be real i I just want to keep saying you really are such a light light. light. (laughs) just go say it yes thanks um yeah we definitely will have um all the kendall's links and everything and how you can plug into all her work and connect with her and you know if you're in the Tennessee and Georgia area, 
Is that correct? Yeah. Um, if you're looking to buy a property or need some assistance, she has a team ready for you. I do. So, I do. Um, but yes, thank you again for sharing with us. It's always our aim on this show to um, not only amplify the beautiful voices of Black women, but to unify us as well, to yeah. share in our lessons and celebrate our successes. So thank you for sharing with us today. Um, I don't have anything else. I'm just so full. I'm just, I'm really full. This, I was waiting. Like you said, you couldn't sleep last night before this conversation. This is all (laughs) I could think about too. So I'm, it's everything and more than what I was expecting to get today. Yes, 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 yes. I just want to say, um, thank you as well. And I, like I stated earlier, uh, in the show, you know, it just really speaks volumes to not just the work that you're doing, but how you speak about the work that you're doing and just your passion um, behind it. Um, it is just very, very evident. And I can appreciate that. I appreciate your authenticity very, very much. Um, and it has been a pleasure and a, to, to speak with you today um, and meet you. And I'm just so excited for all the things that you um, will have going on coming up in the near future. Um, and everybody who's listening, if this is something that is ringing your bell, please make sure that you ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, please make sure that you link up with Candle um, and take advantage of all the the wealth of knowledge um, and experience that she has to offer because she's she 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 wants you to have it. She yeah. wants to give it away. So why not take advantage of it? Okay. Yeah, make the investment. Melanate on that. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our chat today. Keep the conversation going by heading to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leaving us a review. Have a story of your own to share? Email us at info at melanatedconversations.com or connect with us on social media at Melanated Conversations. Till next time, keep raising your voice. voice.